The topic is servant leadership. And there are tons of myths that surround servant leadership. You know what I mean? Like servant leaders have to be nice, that they're two rose-colored glasses, that they have to be people-pleasing, naive even, and that they don't have the business acumen to succeed in the business world. We are going to replace these myths. We're going to drop these myths in 2024 so that you can lead with greater integrity, influence, and impact. Let's dive into more of these myths right now. Welcome to the Lead Well Podcast, where we help you redefine your servant leadership to amplify your integrity, influence, and impact as a leader so that you can lead well. We are in the middle of a servant leadership series here on the Lead Well Podcast, and that's because my new book, Redefine Your Servant Leadership, comes out this month, January 17th, 2024. And if you are listening to this right as it came out, you can go today and get chapter one for free. Head to redefineyourservantleadership.com, download chapter one. You got about enough time to read that, and then you can just get the book when it comes out January 17th. Go check it out. I hope you will. Let's get back into what we're talking about today. Today, want to walk through three components of replacing these myths and dropping the myths that do not serve servant leaders in 2024 or beyond. Here are the three things we're going through today. What do these myths create in servant leaders? What are the myths that we need to replace? And I want to share a story of a client of ours who replaced these myths in a real life scenario inside of the organization that they're the CEO of. And I want to talk about the results. I want to share the results that they got with you. They're pretty outstanding. So what do these myths create? Well, let's look at some of the ones that I've already named. That servant leaders have to be nice. That they're so rose-colored glasses. People-pleasing, naive even, or business acumen. These are five myths around servant leadership. And if we take all of those and we start to lean in that thou shalt be nice, right? And I have to be nice no matter what. I'm, I'm going to eventually start doing something that isn't actually helpful or kind or true just to be nice to you. And the same goes with people pleasing. And if it's all rose colored glasses, potentially I'm avoiding some really big problems or potential fixes inside of the organization. And that, that might play into also being naive. And if I don't have the business acumen, the business will only go so far. And these myths, while they are good things, when they are the thing, the way that we have to do it, that we should do it as servant leaders, actually turns us into misguided servants. And, and I share in the book that that is exactly where I was, that I was a misguided servant going around, being helpful, trying to help, but not always necessarily offering the help that was wanted or needed. Frankly, it was like I was grabbing on to the myths around servant leadership and holding on and holding on to that thing was taking me over and it crashed me down into the ground. And that as a misguided servant, I finally got to the point where I had to figure out what was going on and what needed to change so that I could actually lead and influence 
and move us towards the mission that I knew we had to go down. Here are 10 myths that I discovered and that I discovered in working with our clients. And we're going to walk through those 10 myths for you to replace and drop in 2024 so that you can lead with even greater integrity, influence, and impact. Here's what you can do. Because it's going to be fun to follow along, there's going to be a link in the show notes so you can see the same table that I'm going to go through. And if you are watching on video, this is your episode. And we're going to put a little chart up right next to you. So let's dive into those 10 myths so that you can see them. Myth number one, servant leaders are people pleasers. We need to replace that with servant leaders are mission driven. It is mission first, people always. Myth two, servant leaders are subservient. No, misguided servants are subservient. Servant leaders focus on the service that is needed most. Number three, misguided servants are utopian-minded, where servant leaders are relentlessly optimistic, holding on to that hope, even in the face of fear and negative reality. Misguided servants are nice, and servant leaders tell the kind truth. Misguided servants are always available, always have the open door policy, always have to say yes. Servant leaders are present and they engage where they are and serve where they are. Misguided servants are naive where servant leaders are aware. And even though they're aware, they're not conniving, but they choose to be honest with what they know about. A myth around servant leadership that creates a misguided servant is that they are permissive. And servant leaders aren't intolerant, but they are principled, focused on the values, the mission, the purpose, and how we're going to go about getting there. Misguided servants are passive, where servant leaders are assertive, and they are assertive for a great purpose. Misguided servants avoid power, and that is a myth around servant leadership. And actually, what servant leaders do, which is a wonderful characteristic, is servant leaders share power responsibly. And it is a myth that you must have a bleeding heart if you are a servant leader. And that needs to be replaced because servant leaders have a servant heart and a business mind. And those 10, along with one that you're probably sitting on in your head that's like, oh, this is one that I have that's a myth around servant leadership. But those 10 are what you need to replace so that you can step into leading with more authority and using that to serve people with more integrity and transparency to earn an even greater level of influence and deliver impactful results. And I want to tell you about Ryan. Ryan is a CEO client of ours. He's also a wonderful friend and he has replaced so many of these myths and he found himself where He was at odds uh, with a principle uh, that he was holding on to, which is a great one, and he did not let it go. But also some things that he became aware of in the business that required that he engaged in crucial conversations that meant that he had to both look at how do I do this with a heart for service and also with a mind for the business and the people and what else I have to steward. And I might have to assert myself in this place. So let's jump into the story of Ryan and what he did and what was the result. So Ryan and I are sitting there on a coaching call and uh, he starts to tell me about an individual that he's been working with and coaching and putting a plan together for really because 
their performance was not at the same level of performance as other people in the organization. And he was on the verge of figuring out that there might be some safety concerns if this was not addressed. Now, he couldn't permit this to keep going, and he couldn't pretend that he didn't know what was going on, and he couldn't just hope that it was all going to go away. He needed to engage, and here's where he found himself. Something had happened where it really was time. She had come to the end of the plan, and it was time that he made a decision. Do I stick with the plan that we created, knowing that it means I got to let her go, or do I just let it go? permit this to happen. And as Ryan and I were talking through it, here's what he said. Well, John, you know, there's just some things you don't do. If you want to treat people well, there's just some things you don't do. And I said, what do you mean? I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Tell me more about that. And he said, well, it's after Thanksgiving and it's before Christmas and you just don't let people go before Christmas. See, Ryan was very firm on his principle of treating people well. What I discovered in part of that conversation was that Ryan had experienced someone in his family being let go before Christmas, and he knows the pain of that. And he said, I'm not going to do that. However, I, I do need to continue to move in this way because of the culture that we're building in the organization, because of the potential safety concern that's coming up. I do have to move this way. And even though it's going to hurt, I, I don't want to harm her. And so we're going to have to let her go. And I, okay, what do you want to do about it? You, you're not going to do it before Christmas. He said, I'm, I'm going to wait till after Christmas. And just curious, I asked him, what, what's the impact of that for you? Like, how much does that impact the decision? And, and what's some of the financial uh maybe strain uh, that would lead you or other leaders to make that decision. And he kind of did some quick napkin math and he said, yeah, if we, if we let her go right now, it, it'll probably be just a couple of weeks of her salary. And, and, and if we wait until after Christmas and the new year, the way that it was set up in their organization was that all of the vacation, all of the benefits, everything kind of reset. And actually just to, to release this individual right after the new year uh, was going to cost them somewhere between a third and half of the year's salary. I asked him, what do you want to do? And he stuck with the principles that he had, treating people well, but also that he had to steward the organization and he had to set the culture uh, and he had to focus on both the performance and the people. And he said, we're going to wait. And he did. And he connected with that individual. He laid out the plan and told them, now's a great time to be searching. And we're going to be paying you to search. And, uh, and then we're going to work our way out. And then this is going to be your last day with us. And Ryan, replacing these myths, was able to enter into what honestly was a really terrible negative reality that none of us ever want to fire anybody. But we also had to make sure that we were serving the organization, the rest of the people, had to hold in, how do we work with people and the bottom line? And here's the thing. He did end up eventually letting this individual go. And he also set a very clear message for the rest of the team in the organization around how we prioritize people, on how we're going to make people first or people always decision and also balance that with the performance and the needs of the organization. And since then, what has happened in Ryan's organization? 
Well, here's the thing. They came up to another, another time in the organization's life where uh, somebody really needed the organization to respond in a kind, compassionate, and loving way. And without Ryan's input, his team said, this is how we treat people. We want to treat people like we would want to be treated. And if I was in the same situation, here's what I would want someone to do. And his team started to do it. Because of the example, he said, the culture is starting to cascade down. And, and you might be thinking, and it really plays into a lot of the myths and, and why we get misguided is we think if we start to stand on principle, if we start to engage in some of the negative reality, some of the challenge that people are going to be turned off, that they're going to leave. What Ryan found and what his organization found is it actually draws people in because there's so much more clarity around how you operate and around how you're going to respond. There's so much more clarity. They feel stable. They feel as though they get to be a part of it, that his team is making decisions and sharing the power that it is to lead responsibly. So they have higher employee engagement. They've retained their people at an even higher level since then. And in an industry that grows about 3%, maybe every year, Ryan and his team in just over 18 months have grown their organization 25%. Millions of dollars for them, which turns into millions of dollars to be able to better serve their people, to pay them better, but also to turn out and serve their community better. I encourage you to drop the myths, to replace them in 2024 with servant leaders are mission-driven. They focus on needed service. They're relentlessly optimistic. Servant leaders tell the kind truth. They're present, aware, principled. Servant leaders are assertive. They share power responsibly. And servant leaders use their servant heart and business mind. And when you do, you will lead and deliver even greater results in 2024 and beyond. You can go grab chapter one of the book right now at redefineyourservantleadership.com. And here is one of the questions. They are all focused in and around the book topic and the book series. So Matthew, what do we have related to the book today? Well, now that you've told us about some of the myths surrounding servant leadership, can you tell us which has been the most challenging for you to replace? <laughs> uh, people pleasing. Easy peasy. It's why I put it number one on the list. <laughs> no, not really. That's not why I put it number one on the list. I put it number one on the list because mission-driven is the replacement. And servant leaders are mission-driven. We serve the mission. We serve people. We serve the results. And I remind myself of that often, uh, that it's mission first, people always. I want to please people. I want people to like me. I love that. I consider myself a recovering people pleaser, <laughs> always. Uh, and... Uh, that one, because of some of my need to be liked and affirmed and, and all that surrounds that is seemingly the most constant. Uh, it's one that I always have to maintain an awareness on and and kind of start to blend some of them together, reminding myself, like, is this the kind truth or am I just telling somebody what they want to hear? Now, I mean, let's be real. It's not that we're not going to be nice and it's not that I don't want to make people happy like we all want to do that it's just am I doing that in a way with that lines up with the mission that I'm on the integrity that I have and am I not trading some of these needed things like truth honesty principles the mission for good things that if I make the the thing the only thing 
then it starts to not work uh, for everybody else. Uh, and people pleasing is one of those uh, where you can actually confuse folks and just um, kind of misguide them even uh, beyond yourself. So the one that is definitely mine is people pleaser and, uh, and I'm always focused on and aware and working on that one. So you will likely find that you have one of these myths that sticks out as well. And we have an activity in the book for you to write it out and then to put it, uh, the new replacement right on top. I can't wait for you to discover that. Uh, and until you do, my friends, be well, lead on, and God bless. <laughs>